Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast. We are live, coming at you on the live stream. On the Facebook, on the YouTube, uh, and this will also be on a podcast for those of you who can't catch up on the live stream because either one, you're not a patron, or two, you've better things to do of an evening. One of the one of the first one, no time for the second one, absolutely. If you've got better things to do, yep. it's up to you. Fair enough. Yeah, don't blame you. Welcome everybody who's joining us on here. Um, I am Lee, as you know. You are um, over there. Is uh, I am still Josh. Yeah. Uh, this is the Lord of Mud podcast, the podcast that filled up Friday morning before the madness see, came. Yeah, see, I went to um, I went to London last week, so I flew, I filled up on Wednesday morning, and then was like, oh, <laughs> apparently <laughs> everyone's run out of petrol, etc. Yeah, I went to Cardiff at the weekend, and um, mm. oh, I, I, so Friday morning I supposed to air in my tyres, filled it up. Drove to Cardiff, parked it in, got mm. an Airbnb, so we got a parking space. It was on, on like an apartment with a parking space. Parked it up there, drove home on the Sunday. Still got a quarter tank left. Can't be bad. See, this thing, yeah. Good thing about driving to London, it's not that far from where I am. So, like, you know, I basically used half a tank. I've got half a tank. I level with you. I use my car so rarely nowadays in that I work from home that 
that half a tank will probably do me till Christmas. So, let me tell you the, tr- the truth now. I filled the car up Friday morning because we're going to Cardiff. I think that's the mm-hmm. first time I've actually filled it all the way up in 18 months because normally yeah. I just keep popping along and sticking 15 quid in or something because there's mm. nowhere else, you know, nowhere to go. Is it nothing to do? Well, yeah, exactly. What are you going to do? What are you going to spend your time on? You know, it's like, where, where have you got to go that's so fancy? That requires exactly. petrol. You know. I went into, again, I went to the office one day last week. I do not care for it. No, one day this week. <laughs> hey, get it. I had to put a suit on on one day. Oh. Like a full suit, tie, the lot, jacket, everything. Fuck that. I mean, I was quite pleased the jacket still fastened. I mean, that a is a good free thing. free son of excitement yeah. there. But after that, it was like, well, I'm not used to this. <laughs> I don't like it. I'm, no. I'm, I mean, you, I'm, well, you wouldn't because you just saying, yeah, you don't have to wear a suit, do you? You never have for your working life. It's not. No, indeed. The only times I wear suits are weddings and funerals, and I did go to a funeral last week, and I did oh, have to buy to some hear new that. I did have to, but I have to buy some new trousers because it's been about four years since I last wore the black suit, and uh, yeah, things were not good. Oh, but you know, right. So yeah, so uh, yeah, so I went to Cardiff. My daughter you wants did? to go to Cardiff yeah. Uni, so uh, I went down I mean, there. I can I speak can speak very highly of it, having been there myself in the last fifteen years. No Le- shit, probably more than that. Twenty years. So let's just say twenty years. Left uh, Flint on the North Wales coast at quarter past two mm. on Friday afternoon. Landed in Cardiff at. Do you want to guess? Half seven. Fucking hell. (laughs) Honestly. It was a bad one. It was a bad one. Don't try try to tell me that there's not some sort of political motive behind the (laughs) enforced separation between North and South Wales. Because I'd not driven it for a while. I went straight through the middle of Wales. Oh. Instead of going down the Shrewsbury borders, Mm. marches way. But uh, actually, it wasn't the middle of Wales bit. It wasn't the huge problem. It was the bit around Wrexham that was just... Huge mm. amounts of queues. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, I had tickets for the Cardiff game that kicked off at 7.35. Mm. Arrived at Cardiff where I was staying at 7.30. I mean, unless you were literally staying in one of those flats that overlooks the Elms Park. Which I was not. <laughs> um, I was staying in Century Wharf, as it goes, in between oh, town nice. and the bay. And mm. nice, but... I. When you've lived in a house, I've never done the flat thing, not really. So when you yeah. lived in a house, I was thinking, how do you get your online shopping delivered here? Just like run up and down the stairs and like seven runs and stuff. I was getting a bit freaked out. It was, it, yeah, I couldn't no, get it. I know what you mean. I suppose when you live there, you figure it out. But yeah, that, that so, yeah, so I ended up getting. It's weird. I, I find it a bit sort of like a, a very posh holiday camp. Or yeah, there is a bit. It does feel a little bit like being in Malaga, sort of thing. Yeah, and also. Anyway. It's on Dumballs Road, which is an old industrial estate. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Um, so I ended up going to the game, but the good thing, rugby being the way it is, and also actually there was mm-hmm. a pretty rough-looking injury in the first half. I get there half an hour after kickoff, and there's still 22 minutes of the game, of the half left. <laughs> so, you know, that was good. Yeah. I arrived. Well, yeah. it wasn't good, because I arrived with Jared Evans was getting treatment, having been... No. Taken out in the air. So, um, yeah, so you'd missed one blue fly off entirely, 
Completely, yeah. <laughs> Just about turned up in time to see the other one go off. So I go in, I'm in the South Terrace. Uh, I go in, um, I look to my left and see a uh, friend of the pod, Adam Reese, is stood there about 10 feet away. Honestly, I don't think I've ever been to Cardiff and not run into Adam <laughs> in some way, shape or form in the last 15 years. And he's really... I mean, it could be because I mainly go to Cardiff for rugby. But yeah, there is that. But he, and he was with fellow listener Alex Berglin. So oh. good to see him as well. So oh, I met right him that's... for the first time. Very nice people. We had a good laugh. Indeed. Well, they filled me in on the fact that I'd missed two fly halves and Lloyd Williams was going <laughs> in at 10 by that point. So yeah. At which point you must have just thought, oh, brilliant. This is what I paid my money for to see Lloyd Williams start a professional game. And outside off, well, didn't do bad actually. Didn't him, he played really well. More on that later. But the um, mm. half, I had a, I had an empirically terrible burger at half yes. time. Um, oh yeah, I mean, it goes without saying it was burger a diet coke nine pounds sixty burger awful heartburn for the rest of the evening. You know what it's like. I haven't been to the Elms Park in probably ten years. Are the toilets still as bad as they always were? Uh. I did nip for a week. I don't remember it being terrible. Did, did, did I not go to the toilet? I don't against remember. The wall? No, I don't think I actually went to the toilet. I think I managed to hold it yeah. in until I went until I left. Uh, see, smart. smart. So also I, I love... played rugby with because Cardiff is basically a village. It's literally this big. Yeah. <laughs> so also played rugby with. One of them I always thought was a bell end. So yeah. sorry I saw him really, but you know there you go. <laughs> yeah, ah, so that was my well weekend. Then. What have you been doing? Um, I went to uh, London with my good lady wife for a little uh, midweek break. Oh, we, so that uh, was an actual break. It wasn't work thing. It was... Yeah, went on the yeah trying to do London without going into massive crowds or going on the tube was interesting. But uh, you know, you could argue you probably don't go to one of the biggest cities in the world in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> if you're worried about crowds. But you know, we we you know like to mix it up. Went on the London Eye. Never been on that before. It's nice. 40 minutes in it, slowly moving round. Uh, 30 minutes, yeah. But, like, it's quite interesting. I mean, I did I level with you. 15 minutes in, I was like, all right. I've probably seen all this now. And <laughs> you know you've got another 15 minutes of the same things, but just gradually, ever so slightly lower. Um, but, no, it was good. How much? Um, I got some cheap deals, so it was about, like, 18 quid each. It was, like, yeah. more than you'd want to pay, but fair enough. We went on. We took the kids on one of those duck tours. They don't exist. They've been shut down now. Did you, did you ever see them? It's like a, it's an amphibious craft. Oh, the amphibious. Oh, yes, the car boat thing. Yeah, I yeah. So they drive around, do the sightseeing, and, and they drive yeah. into the Thames, and they take you up and down the Thames and stuff. <laughs> and they had the they had the, the tour guide. They had looked exactly like he had the same sunglasses on, an exact same look as a uh, Chris Pratt, where he's been Macklin, the FBI agent in <laughs> in Parks <laughs> and Recreation. Yeah. Brilliant, Macklin, you bastard! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, look, like it was good, but they've, they've shut it down now because and here's some boring trivia for you. They had to use a slipway to get onto the Thames, and it's closed because yes. of a load of building work or some shit. Oh, oh, I assumed it was because you know a car had sunk or something. Well, one of them was Which on was... fire. There was a famous internet meme of one of them I on fire. Do yeah. remember seeing that actually? Yeah, well, that was always my thing. That. It's like I don't, you know, I'll trust a boat to a point. I'll trust a car to a point. I don't trust a car that's a boat. You can't cross genres, Josh. Josh, we've been on no, this exactly, before. Exactly. There's a reason why comedy horror doesn't work. 
Exactly. There's a reason, there's a reason why, why chocolate orange is terrible. You can't cross genres in that way and expect it to work. This is, this is why you can't dip your Dorito in two different dips. Cross pollination. It's Ooh. not good. It's not good. Oh, oh God, yeah. What your hot salsa and your nacho cheese mingling? Oh God, absolutely fucking travesty. Oh Get God, I feel ill. I'm upset just thinking about it. We better move on. <laughs> so, uh, and so apart from London, I anything else? You got posh restaurants? Any of that fancy shit? Uh, no, we kind of mainly ate at sort of places where we could broadly eat outside, like Oaxaca and things like that. But, you know, for somebody that's basically, you know, had the delivery options of suburban just outside of Bristol for the last year and a half, having things like Oaxaca was very exciting. I'm not going to lie. Well, this it's been oft said on this podcast uh, mm-hmm. about the absolute fucking cowing awfulness of the pizza delivery options round my yes. gap, right? Yes. Because there's no Domino's delivery, there's no pizza mm-hmm. delivery, there's only the eternal brotherhood of shit Turkish kebab shop pizza, basically. <laughs> you all go to the same school to make crap. But anyway, long story short, there's a proper wood oven place opened Hello. just this last few weeks, and it delivers... But it's not on Just Eat, weirdly, because somebody started a Flincher-based food ordering app called Flincher Eats. That is a, a real, like, that to me screams somebody that's hoping to just get bought out by Just Eat for a healthy profit in about 18 months. Exit strategy. Yeah, so they're, they're on there as well as a couple of others. I'm assuming they're charging less cut than Just Eat or something. You would assume so, and they could probably afford to because it's smaller and they're probably just making a tidy little profit out of having to not really do anything. So the but good yeah. news is proper wood oven mm. pizza delivered, eight ninety nine inch for a 13-incher. Oof, oof, that's a bargain. Think about that for a minute. So that's brilliant news. The bad news is mm-hmm. easy, tasty pizza delivered, eight ninety nine each. It's a terrible thing. Which is a slippery, a slippery, slippery, slippery slope. Slippery slope. Oh, actually, that's something that happened on the weekend. We got back right. on Saturday. Uh, and speaking of Domino's, due to due to exceptional circumstances, our Domino's was not delivering because presumably all their delivery drivers had gone. <laughs> we can't get any fucking petrol, mate. <laughs> so yeah, what a we truly yeah. live in strange and unprecedented times. Driving back from Cardiff, every single. Every single petrol station was done until uh, uh, all of Cardiff, all the way up north. And so we got to Clandrin Dodd Wells. Plenty of fuel in Clandrin Dodd Wells. Not enough people to buy it, I'm guessing. Probably. Yeah. I we, On the M4, when we were driving back from London, all the services were like no diesel, no fuel, HGVs only. It's like, pff, not great, is it? You mentioned dominoes and takeaways. An update mm-hmm. on uh, Patrick Calvert Esquire's university tribulations. Oh, yes. Um, well, he's actually had, he's had a good week. No injuries this week. No lying to good. me about anything. So it's all going all right. He thinks he's got a job. However, he did tell me that Studentville, uh, certain days at certain times, dominoes do pizzas for a pound if you're See, a student. That is, that is next level shit. And in the local wing place, a Wing Wednesday, 30p a wing. <laughs> 30p a wing. See, in my day, it was like, you know, 99p for a double with a mixer. That was the sort of deals they offered students. Not one pound pizzas and 30p chicken wings. Probably, I mean, I say it's healthier, is it? 
I must have told you the story when I, I worked on security in the student mm. union when I was there. Um, I had like a proper door card and everything, hilariously. And somebody said to me when I was leaving, are you going to do this when you leave? I was like, you're fucking joking. You're not doing this with real people. I'll get my fucking head kicked in. I'll throw <laughs> students out. But uh, yeah, we had a t- they used to do big offers in our union. 20p vodka on a Wednesday it was once. The record number of ejections. We threw <laughs> about 40 imagine. odd people out. None of them fighting. All just, just so pissed they had say, to be shown the door. I mean, when you say ejections, was it, you know, projectile ejections? <laughs> A few, few I'm bits sure, of that. I'm sure it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dennis Suter makes the point that still a better deal than still a better deal than the Super League got. I mean, That's that right, is. Dennis. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear me. So anyway, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do it if you're a patron by just putting a comment in right now, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if not, you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud on the Twitter. That's just me. Some people think that's the entire pod. It isn't. It's just me. Or Lee at BloodandMud.com. And what about you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner or uh, at Rocked underscore Mag on the old Twitters. And uh, Josh at bloodandmud.com, I suppose. But nobody's emailed me yet there. And I'd like to keep it that way, quite frankly. Yeah, I think people are too frightened to see what might happen. Yeah. Or they just assume you'll ignore it anyway because they've not bothered. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little column A, little column B, you know. Robert Terry says, I went to Wingfest this weekend because what else is there to do? <laughs> well, you could have gone yeah. to Cardiff like I did. Yeah. You could have spent yeah. 18 quid on a slow roundabout like Josh did. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah. I mean, if you've got the option to go to Wingfest, why not go to Wingfest? Where, how, many where wings w- could you, how many wings would you eat? Because like, I've done the whole going to a beer festival thing. I used to do that quite a lot when I was a student. And... Like, after a couple of hours, you're very bored of sitting in a fucking hall and drinking room temperature beer out of tiny plastic pint glasses. I went to a whiskey festival once at the Marriott Hotel in Cardiff, in in Chester. Mm. And it was in a big function room with no windows. Brilliant. All tables around the outside. One bloke threatened to call the police on me because I reached to the table to pour myself some whiskey, which I wasn't allowed to do, apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the weird thing, whiskey festivals, because you kind of get... I'm still drinking then, obviously. You're kind of getting drunk, but it's not meant to be getting drunk because it's meant to be learning shit. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a high... Like anything like this, there's a high level of nerdery. Big style. You kind of stand and listen to the conversations that are happening. And yeah, it's like, yeah... Like anything like yeah. that, I guess. Uh, heavy interest stuff. I just want to get drunk, really. But I went pretend to I like to... whiskey. Oh, can you taste the difference? Not really. Not really. Just give me another one. I went to one in uh, in City Hall in Cardiff once uh, when I was a student. Obviously, went with all my housemates, and there was a real clash of camera fucking real ale nerd dudes mixed with students who realised that it was a pretty affordable way to drink at least eight pints there or there or thereabouts. And the, the sort of clashing of, of tasting vibes, there was definitely less sort of, there was less savouring going on on our side of the room. I'll leave it at that. Because that's the thing, you know, you know the, the craft beer thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, for years, people were into craft ale, really. Real ale, which is craft mm-hmm. beer by any other name, and it just not as fizzy. Yeah, were mercilessly ripped the piss out of. 
Yeah, you and know, quite rightly so. There was a comic book strip called Real Ale Twats in Viz, where yeah. they'd always end up in the wrong pub and get their head kicked in by a bloke in a vest and stuff. <laughs> and, you know, it never got old, that. And no. now it's completely acceptable for all kinds of hipster to behave exactly like them and not yes. get their head kicked in by somebody in a vest. Yeah, except they, and they I, I don't think it. this is very fair. Yeah, except they drink it in two-thirds of a pint little fucking <laughs> flute things, and they only just drink hoppy IPAs. Which, and it all yeah. just tastes like lager with two pences in, all of it. <laughs> so... I mean, I can't pretend that I'm not a... You says know, me who's not had a drink like, for eight years, like I know yeah, anything about this. But... It says me that, you know, gets uptight and annoyed if there isn't a decent craft beer selection at any pub or bar I go to. <laughs> I, said to I said to me, so I said, are your generation into craft beer? So that'll be fucked. Oh, it costs a fortune. It all tastes like shit. They're still, they're still banging Stella and See, Carly I'm and really ask. happy for that because part of me just sort of wondered if the modern student slash teenager experience consisted of drinking an awful lot of Fosters. And, <laughs> yes. you know, I'm so glad sweet. that... Such a sweet lager. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, we're anyway, on Acast, yeah. we're on Apple, we're on Patreon.com. It's blood and mud. Um, where you can come along and give us two quid or 20 quid for the year. Thank you for all of you who joined in that bracket this week. Or you can have five quid or 50 quid for the year and you get a, a you know, a bio. But nobody's, mm. it, it's two weeks on the trot now, nothing's happening, nothing's shifting. Unless I've missed something, I mean, tell me if I've missed something. But we've hit our level. We've I'm fine. fine with that. We've been there before. It's absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, so, like Exeter Chiefs, we've hit the level of people who will give money to us. So you know that that's completely acceptable. Um, Unlike Exeter that, Chiefs, later. we're not paying ourselves. <laughs> more on that later. So, uh, the, hey. yeah. So yeah, we're on that. So thank you very much. You get extra episodes and all that stuff. Yeah, you, you all know mm-hmm. now. You're not done you it by now. You're shit. not going to do it. Yeah. Should we begin as we always begin, Josh, with the player spotted? I think we probably should, yeah. Yes. Uh, I'd like to thank Taz Bailey, who got in touch on the email, uh, to say, um, got an incredibly boring sighting of an incredibly good player for you, says Hello. Taz. <laughs> Driving through Dulwich Village. Mm-hmm. Which, is Dulwich in South London? Kent Way? I mean, that way? it's there or thereabouts, isn't it? I mean, if it's not got motorway services, then I don't know where it is. That's that We've learned that from this part. Broadly so. the same, yeah, yeah. Dulwich Village, having had a stay with my delightful grandmother in Bristol. Oh. We stopped at the lights outside of a, a bougie-looking estate agents. Now, my children use the word bougie. I think it comes from bourgeois. It does, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I you see less of a, so, let's just sound less of a socialist if you just say bougie, which bougie, I yeah. obviously oppose. Looking estate agents, and I see none other than future England captain, Mr. Maro Itoji. Oh, hello. Leaning against the wall with a female companion. Oh, hello. Think, ooh, a, this is turning into the uh, bizarre magazine column from the 90s. <laughs> um, I turned to my fiance and very loudly said, Shit, that's Maro Itoji. Because <laughs> I'm assuming that you're, cool. from, Lancash- you're from Lancashire, Taz. Yeah. Uh, whereas he looked up and immediately locked eye contact with me for a very uncomfortable three to five seconds. Oh, fucking hell. So you imagine him switching into game mode and staring straight at you, going from his like affable, intelligent thing to game mode. (laughs) Yeah. He said, I tried to nod my head in a confident manner to reassure him I wasn't weird, but it came out as a bit of a spasm. We waited for the lights for a further 30-odd uh, seconds with me surreptitiously checking you were still there 
and still marrow in case I'd started emulating some eldritch Tory monstrosity via mistaken or de- identity. He was following the same protocol of looking away, then back to check if the weird chit twitchy bloke was still staring at him until we were released by my fiance, putting a foot down and relieving the awkward tension. I'm pretty sure we're best friends now. Taz finishes off. Oh, I mean, who hasn't got it wrong in that sort of situation? You know, you just get a bit excited. But Jesus. Oh. Having a full death stare from Maruto Jane. Amazing. Avoid it. And then awkwardly <laughs> twitching and glancing back at him for probably what yeah. felt like an hour. Let's be honest. <laughs> That's really tickled me. I love it. Ian McGill just put in the most on-brand old bastard comment in the world here. I seem to remember (laughs) Megan the Stallion uh, mentioning something being bougie in the hip-hop, says Ian. Uh, Yes. I don't know who Megan the Stallion is. Uh, She's a a lady who does raps. The lady hip-hop lady. She's a lady hip-hop lady. Yeah, I believe Savage that song was. Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. So there you go. Yeah. yeah, you can't say you don't learn something on this podcast. At least I can't say that. A lot of you listening Preach. probably I've seen our age demographic. You probably know all this. I just I don't. <laughs> so um I do actually see the age demographic. I'm amazed at the number of 18 to 35 year olds that listen. I thought it'd just be true old bastard uh, central round here, but it's not. Yeah, it's weird because I generally assume that, you know, the appetite for sort of our brand of Elderly and you're, you're older in spirit, aren't you, Josh? That's why you. Oh, that's, why, that's why you always get my pop culture references, despite exactly. The fact I'm, I'm, I'm older th- than you. 36 in body, but I'm definitely 46 <laughs> in mind, at least. But uh, yeah, Taz, that yeah. was magnificent. That it could was. be going into the genu- top. That could go into the top five. My that favorite one. in ages. Just for the I mean, sheer. obviously, like Don Bradman's batting average, what will never be beaten in the spotted is Phil Bennett signing the greasy oh, 100%. Chinese no, that's, top that's be in a park. Forever. I mean, yeah. have to, I mean, you'd have to really go some to beat that. But 100%. I do think Taz, that's that's at least top ten, maybe top five. Yeah. Shall we do some news now? I think we should. Yeah, news. Um, Exeter have got a new shirt sponsor at last. Yes. Well, and. And look, it was largely trailed. <laughs> we talked about it. Look, I'm sure I speak for everyone who was critical about the club's sort of and skeptical about the club's ability to attract a blue chip sponsor due to their whole unrepentant cultural appropriation thing. And so, you know, fucking hell, was I wrong? Because, you know, it doesn't get much bigger than an unbuilt business park owned by Tony Rowe that is presently uh, an unplowed. In fact, would you like to see what. Um, what this currently, what the uh, West X business park currently looks like? Yeah, would I? Yes. That's it. <laughs> there you go. For those of you not on the video, <laughs> it's a triangular field with what looks like hay in it or wheat. Yeah, it's it's an unplowed field next to the A thirty eight. So, uh, <laughs> uh, look, you know, you can look out Saris with their two million a year fucking sponsorship deal with a city trading thing or Bath with Dyson or Wasps with... I mean, Bristol might be sponsored by an offshore investment company owned by Steve Lansdowne, but at least they've got offices. You know, they might be in the Channel Islands, but at least they're offices. I, I, I genuinely feel bad now for making fun of the Ospreys last year for being sponsored by a property company that the one of the board members owned because, the, I mean, come on, it's a new low. 
it's hilarious. I mean, in all seriousness, though, I mean, Heineken Cup winners and champions not too long ago, one of the, one of the greatest, if you believe some quarters, romantic rags to riches story. Yeah. Um, Basically, et cetera, almost, which is all exactly, true, by the way, in yeah. some ways. So almost they should exactly be two years ago. a brand fucking dream, shouldn't they? Yeah. Almost two, almost exactly two years from them winning the Premiership and the fucking Champions Cup in successive weeks, effectively. But it doesn't matter because, of course, Tony Rowe put out that statement last week saying that the club had 400 sponsors and all of them were fully behind the club's branding and everything about it. Um, firstly, I'm not sure where he's getting this 400... 400 sponsors. <laughs> like, even the Scarlets didn't have 400 sponsors that season where the front of their jersey looked like the fucking yellow pages. But like, it, and... like it had been fired on by Homer's makeup gun. <laughs> but it was but it was sponsors. Homer's sponsor yeah. gun. And it's weird that they've got 400, but there's only, there's, you know, about seven or eight that are actually listed on their website. And one of those, Heineken, isn't even technically a sponsor. They've just got pouring rights at Sandy Park because they're in the Champions Cup like everybody else does. But, you know, I'm sure, though, you know, Tony, Tony wouldn't exaggerate that, of course. Like, you know, all those companies, absolutely, you know, the, the sponsors that he has named out of those 400, they would definitely stand, you know, they stand by him fully and, you know, if Johnny Fordham from The Sun would say contact all of Exeter's sponsors that are listed on, on their website that aren't directly owned by somebody who owns the club, they definitely say they back him up, right? I mean, he wouldn't, you know, call up Heineken and Bradford's and Centrex and St. Eggs and Otter Brewery and Samurai and Torchyard's drinks and find that absolutely none of them were actually prepared to go on the record and say that they actually agreed with Exeter's branding. They, they definitely wouldn't do that. Of course some, not. Somebody said on the Twitter, uh, I can't remember if I've got it later and shit good, but somebody did say it. I apologise, I can't remember who it was. Um, I mean, when the sun is kicking your ass, I, you, I mean, how much on the wrong side of history are you? I mean, he he was very, like, Tony Rowe, because that statement was basically Tony Rowe taking issue with a report in the Financial Times that basically said Exeter had tried to get a big blue chip million pound sponsor and failed miserably. And to be honest with you, that article in the Financial Times mainly said it's probably because of COVID. Yes. But then there was a little bit on the end where it was like, and it also might be a little bit about this branding stuff, but that was obviously a red rag to a bull because he put this whole fucking thing sort of attacking the media for inaccurate reporting and journal I, I i speak from personal experience journalists are incredibly petty and <laughs> like if you question their credibility or question the credibility of their profession or accuse them of doing a bad job when they've actually done a good job but you just don't like it they will tend to go out of their way to find you other things to say about you that you don't like. And that's basically what Johnny Fordham did. He found he was the first one within about 20 minutes to find out that the West Exeter Business Park, A, didn't exist, and B, you know, was owned by Tony Rowe, you know, non being sponsored by a fucking unplowed field off the A38 is not very exciting. And then within a couple of days, he'd done this thing with the sponsors. And I tell you what, you you did a very good thread on Twitter this week. Um, 
Thank you. I don't, I don't often see many good threads on Twitter these days. <laughs> with you. Um, you sort of basically said that Tony Rose's sort of intransigent, uh, intransigence and single-minded belief in himself and that he's basically right is a big part of A, why he's very rich and successful and B, why Exeter probably are where they are today. But it's becoming more and more of a liability. And I'll tell you another Premiership CEO who was similarly convinced that he was right about everything and everyone else was wrong. Look what Nigel Ray's up to now. <laughs> you know, that man who poured his fucking heart and soul and energy and everything of his being, basically, into making Saracens the best club team in the world. And now he's not even re- allowed to go. You know, <laughs> he's he's not in any way involved in the club. Yeah, I'm sure he is because his fucking daughter's the CEO now. But, you know, in terms of he hasn't got an office in the ground anymore where he can hang up, not hang up pictures of fucking cricketers playing cricket in oldie-worldie frames. You know, he hasn't got... And this is what Tony Rowe is running the risk of. You know, he loves... He clearly loves Exeter Rugby Club an unbelievable amount. And he's a, it's a credit to him that he is that passionate about this team that he has built. But if he's not careful, he's going to... Yeah. Like, his intransigence about this and his obstinance that actually the the Chiefs thing is a good thing and the branding is a good thing is going to have him on such of a outward... You know, he's already sold... You know, the, comp- the main sponsor that he's already sold is now, you know... Not on the up. How many people are going to be left supporting him before long? And one, you know, either the club is going to fucking suffer, or he's going to be politely asked to leave. I get the feeling he's so kind of intransigent he'll just bankroll it from his own money to not have get to not give in to the wokes. I think, to be honest, I get that feeling. Probably, for as long as he possibly right. can until somebody on the board sort of says, "Look, we need to find another way of funding this, this club." Thing. We- we cannot be very long from somebody at CVC or the rest of the Premiership board go in. Mm, I think this needs to change, or you can, or you know, we've currently got an odd number of teams in this thing. One of you is going to have to fuck off, and you know, it's. It, I don't know, you know, I don't think it will happen soon, but it's like, you know, if if the Premiership's got ideas about doing anything in America, well, you can kiss fucking extra Chiefs goodbye straight off the fucking bat because it's not going to fucking roll. No. And, yeah, it, I just, he's, his continued stubbornness and belligerence is harming his own club. A pig-headed un- unwillingness to look facts in the face because it lasts you for so long, I think. I mean, yeah. we'll see. I mean, maybe a year's time when the pandemic's a bit further out, maybe it'll, we'll see the truth that it wasn't really about the brand and it is about something else, but nobody else is struggling that much, are they? And nobody else no. who won the European Cup two years ago is struggling that much. I mean, clubs that have done fuck all aren't struggling that much. No. You know, Maybe if wasps. wasps. If wasps get fucking Why do we both jump to wasps? <laughs> <laughs> wasps have got fucking Vodafone. You know, the biggest mobile networks in the com- country, you know. Harlequins have got DHL. Saracens have got that massive £2 million a year deal with fucking that trading company I don't understand and I don't want to understand. You know, not for the likes got... of you and me, that Josh. Absolutely not. You know, even fucking Northampton have got Travis Perkins and bloody, you know, I've at least I've heard of Tops tiles <laughs> with, <laughs> with love and respect to Leicester. You know, yeah. 
nobody else is struggling that much. We we've always struggled to get a main sponsor, but uh, because of numerous reasons, really. Uh, yeah. But uh, but we've sorted that this week. Our sponsors are a hundred percent behind us uh, because yeah. we are now sponsored by um, the East Blood and Mud Semi-Industrial Workshop Outspace. Uh, those of you on the video can see that there. Yeah. Beautiful high-end um, industrial unit. Yeah. Just east of uh, my house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not us paying for that at all. We've got it all kitted out. It's um, it's it's on our shirt that I've hastily designed there. Look. Yeah, lovely. Nice, nice green, green and navy shirt with the yellow. A bit, bit cramped Canberra Raiders ish, I think. But that's I was where my say, mind went. I noticed you've gone quite rugby league in the design there. I feel like that's a, that's a well, statement. There, there we are part. on the front, the uh, the East Blood and Wood Semi Industrial Workshop Outspace. That I think is shows that you know the entire rugby world is one hundred and fifty, and business world is one hundred and fifty thousand percent behind everything that we do. Yeah, and our other sponsor, um, the uh, Longwell Green Private Gym for Muscles, um, is uh, is also doing. You know, it's it's fully behind us. You know, they're the back of shit sponsors, and they've told us that they absolutely everything that we do. Um, you know, all of their customers, which is me um, <laughs> and my wife, occasionally, uh, fully agree with everything that we do. So, yeah. yeah. And our other three hundred sponsors, which are listed on our uh, on our website, uh, for example, yeah. Coca Cola, yeah, uh, Tesla, yeah, Amazon, yeah, Apple, uh, Apple. yeah, um, apples, the fruit, Papa John's pizzas, <laughs> yeah, um, Domino's, um, are all a hundred and fifty thousand percent behind us. I mean, don't nobody ring them to ask no. them; no, just no, accept no. the fact that they are a hundred and fifty thousand percent. Behind us, exactly. no questions asked. 100%. Uh, Ian McGill says that industrial unit does, in fact, exist. I mean, yeah, that is true. Unlike, unlike Exeter sponsor, uh, at least your garage exists, as does mine. It currently serves a purpose. It's not an unplanned field. Uh, yeah, so there you go. So that's lots of sponsorship news. Uh, we're going to be raking it in. Me and Josh are actually going to be going off air for the next month because we're going to go to the island that we bought mm-hmm. uh, via our sponsors, the uh, the West yeah. Blood and Mud um, industrial outside nuclear <laughs> uh, dump facility that is now ours. So, yeah, so it's it's looking up. You can't right. say we're not one of the leading podcasts with Absolutely. interest from everywhere right now. Absolutely. I mean, we've got, we've got listeners all over Britain yeah. and some people in America for some reason. Yeah, fair play to them. You know, we're a global entity, and we've we're got one in like, Chile. See, or Chile, crossing continents. Chile, Chile. yeah. Um, we we crisscross continents. I was reading about Pinochet the other day. What a fucking <laughs> shit house that bloke was, by the way. I won't go into it now, but good lord. I, I mean, I'm going to took a break gonna... from aircraft investigations. So I read about Pinochet's <laughs> unbelievable bastardry. So, uh, I tell you what, I you know. Maybe it's a bit strong, but I'm just going to say it. Pinochet, bit of a cunt. Yeah. There's a book in that for us, isn't there? There's, there's definitely a book in History's Greatest Cunt, isn't there, or something? <laughs> cunt or not cunt. We could do an entire book allocating people on our shithousery, acceptable shithousery, cunt Yeah, but, but do it through but history. Applied to dictators. You know. Yeah. 
Were there, I mean, any, were sure there any dictators that could be seen as acceptable <laughs> shithousery? That's the question. It's a good point. I mean, it, it probably all goes a bit fucking pear-shaped in the end, doesn't it? And, yeah, even with the most benevolent of plans. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's be honest. Mugabe started out with a pretty good idea about independence, didn't he? And true, self-determination. True. Um, yeah, so I'll throw that out to the listeners. If you've got a nomination for an acceptable shithouse dictator... Mm-hmm. Uh, please send them on answers on a postcard to the East Blood and Mud semi-industrial work, workspace work, workshop outspace um, in North Wales. Thank you. Have you got any more news? Um, yes, uh, Warren Gatland has either lost his job or been promoted, depending on who you want to believe. <laughs> um, he's. Obviously, he took a year off from the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs got better having... while he was gone. <laughs> yeah, the Chiefs got better while he was gone. Um, and so he is not going to be going back as um, as head coach now. He is going to be promoted. Uh, Clayton McMillan, who, took, who was his assistant and took charge of it while he was away. He's going to remain as the head coach and he's going to be promoted to uh, director of rugby, which sounds like a promotion, but when they say that his job now involves a focus on supporting the coaching staff and shaping and growing the rugby program and high performance program, it certainly sounds like a man who's been given some busy work. It doesn't you know, just. He's like important he... special projects. <laughs> I'm sure I've I'm sure I've shared this on the podcast before, but there was a man who was very high up in a company that I once worked at, uh, who was hideously overpromoted and terrible at his job, and lasted about f- six months before people realised that he was. Even the people upstairs realised he was a fucking clueless idiot about the things that he did. Um, and shortly before he was put on gardening leave, he sent an email out to everyone in the company demanding that everyone in the company come up with three ideas mandatorily to make the company money or improve the company. He wanted everyone in the company to send him three good ideas. And, I mean, I didn't send him any. I I can imagine. Not because you didn't have any. You had like three dozen good ideas. I I had quite a few, but I wasn't going to give them for him to to take credit for. Then he got put on... uh, he got moved from his job to special projects where he claimed his job would be to be going through all those great ideas that he'd been sent and see which ones of them had legs. Um, and yeah, he wore sandals with socks in the office. That's all I'm going to say. Good Lord above. <laughs> Jesus sandals or like them, like yeah. sort of like Velcro ones. No, you know like I mean? Birkenstocky. Like... Th- yeah. Birkenstocky things mm. with socks. I mean, it's still not. There's a lot of men. My age and above that were terribly, terribly ugly, like Velcro and nylon. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you probably class them as walking sandals. Yeah, they're like walking. They're walking thing. sandals, aren't they? They are indescribably ugly. The thing I can't understand is why. <laughs> because y- yes, indeed. If you're gonna wear, if you're gonna wear them to go walking, just buy a pair of walking trainers or walking boots if it's cold. Because you can't wear walking sandals in the rain, presumably. Because that's fucking stupid. My granddad wore socks with sandals. Um, 
But he like he really days. fucking meant it. He like he wore you know the old like two stripe socks we yeah, wore yeah, as yeah. kids. He wore them pulled up like virtually knee high, <laughs> mid calf <laughs> minimum. Lovely. Jesus sandals. He wore them when he used to go on because he was a retired miner, so his dream was to go on cruises. He went on like sixteen cruises, so that was his cruise attire. He'd shift out of his farrow pants because he never wore jeans in his entire Obviously life. Not. Yeah, shift out of his farrow pants into the shorts, long socks, sandals, <laughs> and he and he'd swap the tweed, tweed sort of with elastic mm-hmm. sides on it, tweed top, elastic sides, flat cap. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd yeah. swap. You know what I'm? You know what you feel? Me? I know exactly. He'd the swap one, yeah. that for a white one. That was his like. That was his cruise cap. He put that on. And he'd be like a fucking beacon. You could see him from like miles away <laughs> in his socks and gleaming cap. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Uh, Robert Terry has uh, suggested Tito as a potential uh, acceptable Shitozeri dictator. I mean, a lot going for him, Tito. That's been a lot going yeah. for him. Held Yugoslavia together for all those yeah. years somehow, while not, well, didn't seem to have any purges or much of them. Told no. Stalin to fuck off. Like you gotta have a yes, bit of respect good for that, point. haven't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, generally, did a bit of letting people come on holiday, and people had more freedom. However, when I in the nineties, when I worked at Legal and General, there was a, a Yugoslav, I think he was Serbian guy, who who'd come over called Dragan, mm-hmm. who I worked with. I said this to him about. I said Tito seemed all right, you know, as far as these things go. He said, yeah, but it, they still had like an island where loads of people just got stuck on, got chucked on there for having the wrong opinions about things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a certain level of a base level of dictatorship that you've probably got. But it's a relative in, scale, isn't it? Yeah, you have to accept. A, did he? Did he not particularly overly? Was he not overly murdery? Is kind of the probably the only. And he did fight the Nazis, of course. He, he, he was a partisan. He wasn't like the Croatians who welcomed him in and set up an entire regime to love them, you know? Yeah, maybe, yeah. So, yeah, Tito. Ataturk? People like the Turks quite like him, don't they? Yeah, well, one, wasn't a dictator because but... he set up a democracy, oh, but two, yeah. was involved in the Armenian genocide. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, anyway... It's, it's, a, very, a, good... it's a very small list. Let's leave yeah. it at that. I think we should... Invite nominations and do a patron-only episode of where we compare and contrast <laughs> dictators. There's definitely going to be a podcast that does that, by the way, already. Absolutely. And we're probably probably better not do it. Anyway, so where are we up to? Well, we were doing the news. Mm-hmm. So let's let's take Tito yes. off there, shall we? There you go. Yeah. News so, uh, yeah. Gatlin's you been, do another one. Busy so work. Gatlin, yeah. Gatlin's had some busy um, special projects. Genuinely. Like what? It's got to go down as one of the worst coaching moves ever for yeah. him. The Chiefs. In, in, well, for, just for the Chiefs, for anybody signing him when they did, knowing he was off when, for a year. Yeah. A, a, you know, giving him a year to go off and coach the Lions, which fatally fucking flo- like hammering any chances you have of this coaching appointment being successful. Surely, you know, year two is probably the most important year if you're a head coach of sort of instilling your ethos and also, you know, them signing up Gatland and having a squad that is entirely unsuited to anything that he wants to do. And a squad that is entirely (laughs) unwilling to try and get on board with his style of play or tactical ethos. I mean, it's from all sides, a total fucking catastrophe, but you know, he'll be back in Europe by the next world cup cycle. Not much trouble for work, is he? But, uh, you, and his kids are grown up. Mind you, he's about to become a granddad, isn't he? Yeah. 
that might change. You know, you, maybe I think, he's you know, just maybe he's just a lot thinking, of people are happy you know to what? abandon their own kids and soften up with the grandkids, don't they? <laughs> yeah, and also maybe he's just thinking. I could just hang around here for a bit doing my director of rugby thing and chances are the Lions are going to come calling again in a couple of years. Yeah, well, that'll be something to look forward to, won't it? That, that'll definitely yeah. be Yeah, imagine the fucking... Sunshine and roses, won't it? Imagine social media when he gets fucking named <laughs> Lions coach for the fourth I can't remember a thing from the, Lions, from the Lions tour now and I think it's my unconscious protecting me. 100%, Mostly. yeah. It's one of those things where you're just kind of, you're pushing it right down, and rightly so. Uh, so the um, Great Britain women are World Rugby Series Sevens champions. Yes. And Jazz Joyce has scored a boatload of tries and now obviously mm-hmm. has to go back to being on the dole or something probably, bless her. I mean, yeah, she's got to get a full-time job now, which is bullshit. Um, I've missed something here, and I apologise, I should know this, and maybe you or somebody can help me out. Why are Great Britain playing in these sevens tournaments? <laughs> Basically because, um, I think because somebody didn't read the small print properly or something, but basically mm. when GB7s got their funding pulled, um, they managed to get two million quid off the lottery to basically fund, in 2020, to fund a sevens program for two years <laughs> and rather than saying you know that ends at the end of the olympics they it ends on the 31st of december 2021 so they've still got they're still getting paid to play sevens for great britain so they're continuing to play which you know and let's be honest if they don't do it It'll only get given to fucking rowing or something. Well, exactly. BMX yeah, aren't getting shoot, it, are they? Or shooting or fucking archery or something. <laughs> Some other Tory sport. <laughs> but like, yeah, you know, it's bullshit that she, you know, Jazz Joyce is the best rugby player in Wales. She's probably one of the best rugby players in the world. And on in December after the Dubai Sevens, she will have to go and get a full-time job. Surely the WRU haven't got enough got brass neck to take the piss and apply sixty cap rules to her moving abroad to get paid to play. Surely. Oh no, they've capitally you know they want them to go off and pay, but there's very few fucking you know well, even that's true. the What's it, New Zealand and England contracts. is that it? Yes, New Zealand and England, and in England, you know half of the there's very few full time contracts available. And you probably have to qualify for clubs. England. Yeah. Uh, you don't you have it. to no, but there's just very few. Um, actual full-time contracts available for squad members. You know, the England players, again, obviously paid by the RFU. There's a limited pot for some other players. But in terms of full-time like contracts, they're on fuck all money. You know, they're, they're basically going to get paid barely above what a sort of semi-pro club, club, club player would in sort of, you know, championship or national one. And, you know, that's not enough to live on. Ben Russell so, yeah. says Cincinnatus is the only acceptable shithouse dictator that I can think of. I don't know who Cincinnatus is. However, I do I love to read about there. new shit. So Hell I yeah. will be off there. So I will be off finding that out after tonight. Thank you very much, Cincinnatus, ben. what Cincinnati is named after? You'd have to think so. Surely. I mean, there can't be two. Can't A legendary be. figure of Roman virtue, particularly civic virtue, by the time of the late Republic. Yeah. yeah. The Romans kind of don't count on the sort of dictatorship front because by the end they were all sort of being dictators, but they were having a everyone was having a turn, you know. Also, 
I think you'd have to rule out anything before the full establishment of de- democratic governments. Because they were just yeah. playing with it back then, weren't they? It was like, exactly. you know, it was, yeah. it was burgeoning. It was burgeoning. Yeah, and even, the, and even the most democratic states in that era were not in any way democratic. I think you've yeah. got to sort of... You've got to talk about post-industrial revolution dictators, really, haven't you? I think... I think you do, yeah. Mainly because, of the, and also that you know, you'd have to have final dictator post-industrial revolution who who eschewed uh, mm. the mechanized weapons at their disposal and didn't kill everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very tempting. If it's right there, if it's right there, and you've got the option, and you don't, then more power to you. I say. Here's a left field one for you. Acceptable mm. shithouse dictator is King Juan Carlos of Spain. Ooh. Because he was given a dictatorship and said, yes, I don't want this. What? Let's have I'll some talk, democracy. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah. So we'll plenty to ponder on. I'll leave, I'll leave other yeah. people to think that through. But yeah, that was a, uh, yeah. So in other news, uh, rugby championship teams are in isolation because Brisbane full of COVID. Uh, yeah. Do you want to do the joke or shall I do the obvious joke? No, I'll let I'll, you crack on, honestly. Argentina are not invited, obviously. <laughs> what was that all about, oh. by the way? I mean, like, South African <laughs> fans have been keen to let everybody know that rugby is against them in, or has it in for them in some way. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, how would a fucking Pumas feel? They don't even get invited. <laughs> it was <laughs> Paul, what? What was your one job for this morning? <laughs> uh, you, you need to bring your coffee. No, it wasn't t- that. Rang all the teams, yeah, I, rang all, I rang all the teams. What are you talking about? They're all there. Yeah. Are they? Oh, hang on. There's only seven digits on this phone number for Australia. <laughs> I've put, I've put, I've put dot .cov, not dot .com. It's Bab's back. <laughs> I mean, when you think about the bullshit that Argentina have had to put up with to just to compete in the rugby championship over the last couple of years. You know, last year, where they basically trained in their hotels for two weeks and then went and beat the All Blacks. Like, they've dealt with a lot of shit, you know, while South Africa was going, oh, no, we can't play, we can't play, there isn't enough time. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, fuck it, we'll just sit in a hotel for a fortnight and then beat the All Blacks, why not? <laughs> the disrespect... Of just not even bothering to invite it's next level. It's absolutely next level shit. I can't get my head around it. Unbelievable. So yeah, so they're in isolation. Um Yes. How many rounds are left? Uh, one or two, I think. It's one or two, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. One of this will complete then. Well, New Zealand have already won. Yeah. I'll just, just vote vote with the feet. I'm off. Don't yeah. want to get infected. Going home. <laughs> Had enough of this place. We've been in a bubble for fucking ages, literally sick, ages. Sick of being treated like shit. I'm going. <laughs> Too many fucking snakes around here. Yeah, all of you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Any more news? Uh, no, I think that's me news out. Uh, Martin Gleeson figures largely in the news today. Have you seen that one? Yeah. Not he sure wants England I... to create opportunities and finish them. I mean, that's revolutionary stuff for any attack coach. You got to say, say it's the RL, RL influences that. See, mm. that's what they always say in rugby league. See, 
I don't just want you to create chances. I want you to finish them and all. That's why they went professor in 1895. Loads of people RFU wouldn't stand for <laughs> such things. They're going, oh, so we, oh, you finish the chances, right? Oh, okay. We just thought you had to create them, and then they would happen. I also liked how he was sort of like down when he was just like, different teams are going to defend in in lots of different ways, and we like to feel like we could, you know, successfully attack against most of those teams. It's like most. <laughs> You're not gonna you're not gonna fucking win a World Cup by being able to score tries against most teams. Mm. It's like, well we can we can definitely score against Italy. Uh <laughs> not so sure about France and the all blacks forget about it. Uh I'll be all right yeah. with it. Yeah. Hard nosed professionalism from his years at St. Helens <laughs> is that. And like you know, gentlemen don't finish chances off, it would be uncouth. <laughs> Particularly when a side is struggling. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's just I mean, it's particularly as he also said in that same interview that he was basically as surprised as everyone else is that he was there. Like he was just like, well, this is a little bit earlier on in my career than I anticipated being a international attack coach, but you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, good, you're as you're as shocked as we all are. Then, good. I mean, Eddie just likes to mix it up. He does. I really enjoy. Eddie's commitment to giving us something to talk about. It's funny, I mean, I, um, you've got to respect it. When I was uh, when I was at Sale covering the match, I was among among journalists, you know, which is novel. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the patter was appalling. I'll be honest, but at one point, he started talking about Eddie Jones because the training squad was being announced, which was last Tuesday, wasn't it? After we had, and they said, um, "Why has he done this? And what's he doing this for?" And I, and I said, like we said, I said, I think he's just really fucking bored and just does stuff because he yeah. feels like it. It's the, just 100%. a bit of shit. And interestingly, one of the guys, quite a long and a tooth guy, he said, uh, I won't say his name, but he, he, um, he said, he said, yeah, he said, but the thing is, he always turns up and he always gives you plenty of decent copy. So I think that says a lot why he's given not so much as a hard ride. By <laughs> yeah, you know, he is an absolute fucking godsend for journalists who've got deadlines. <laughs> And yeah. yeah, I am um, Duncan Hamilton's book, which I've talked about a lot, uh, provided you don't kiss me 15 years with Brian Clough, which is one of the best books you'll ever read about sport and as a character analysis. He made the point because he was a Nottingham Forest reporter for the Not- for the Nottingham Evening Post for years. Mm. And he was saying how incredibly dull the beat of a local sports journalist is a lot of the time games or just forgettable games, traveling yeah. miles, misery boredom he said however so trying to think a copy to write about something that's not very interesting he said however i had the gift that i just simply opened everything i wrote with brian clough said today <laughs> and, I yeah. could, and he could fill an entire column five days a week or six days a week or whatever and there's, there's a bit of that about jones isn't there yeah 100 percent. you know he whenever they know whenever they get him in a press conference he's gonna say something that is Vaguely inflammatory, or at least gonna, you know, is at least a clickable headline. And you know, <laughs> that's part of being an England coach, I guess, and part of being the head coach of a big nation. You've got, if you, particularly in a minority sport like rugby union, if you want to cut through, you've got to produce good copy and you've got to produce a good soundbite. And fair play to him, I suppose he does. Ian McGill's back in again. He says, Marrow told you, just announced. He's the new face of M&S. 
Nice lateral move from modelling for Ralph Lauren. I was going to say, that was a real step down from the whole, yeah, Ralph Lauren Wimbledon collection before the Lions tour. And after the Lions tour, he comes back and is the face of trousers that pulled up too high. Isn't it amazing how this kind of stuff works? It is in my mind, because obviously... The people who are like Maro Itoji, as in younger people who dress in a trendy way, I guess. I'm in waters. I'm, I'm in unsure waters here, but please go with me. <laughs> Carry on, yeah. Um, you know, younger people, basically, um, are not going to shop at M&S. However, no. they're obviously going for the demographic of people probably my age and above who love him because he plays for England. So yeah. will remember what M&S exists and go back in. Like everybody else, I buy my undercrackers from M&S. Oh, yeah, yeah. Else. The Thank occasional you. suit. Yeah, I will buy... Or suit, as they would probably say. <laughs> I will buy pants from M&S, and I will buy food, and that is it. I know exactly what undercrackers suit me and fit me from M&S, and I've bought the same, same. ones for 10 years. And it, the day they discontinue them will be... An absolute fucking heartbreaker for me. <laughs> and yet, you know, you'll keep coming back every time hoping that they've got them there, you know? <laughs> somehow. Because somehow maybe they, you know, they probably... And the thing is, M&S knows. M&S knows that they've got... It's all they're know. selling, probably. Yeah, it probably is. Overpriced food and underpants, that's all they're selling. I mean, it actually is. You look at the sort of things, the earning reports for M&S, and you see that, like, there is, like, they are selling no clothes and all of their profits are from food. Well, I um, I, I, I did that terrible thing of, of balking at the price of, of undercrackers. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You go, what, what? 15 quid for three pairs? You're fucking joking, sort of thing. Why is it that much? <laughs> and then, of course, if you analyse it as a kind of price per wear. Yeah. How many is fuck all, isn't it? Let's be honest. And also what they're, take, what they're taking care of as well. You know, these things are very important. It's worth spending a bit of money on. <laughs> it is, yeah. Invest in the stuff that's important to you. Quite. So we went from Martin Gleeson to M&S Underwear. That's your fault, Ian McGill. <laughs> Can't even blame yeah. us for that uh, no. tangent. Ian's very quickly said it: the, the fashion facts are courtesy of his wife, not him. Yeah, right, Ian. I mean, I've just hello, Sophia. I've just though, go- if you are listening, <laughs> I've just googled Marks and Spencer Maritoje, and nothing happens. There's a there's a dead link. That's a, that's a very M and S scenario. They don't seem to understand the modern world, do they? There's a there's a the the top hit is. Introducing Maru Itoje for Marks and Spencer. Um, but when you go to the page, uh, it's a dead link. And then the only other things on the page are uh, a man who urgently needed a poo watched women in Marks and Spencer's personal <laughs> toilet. You know, it's... Fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, from an SEO point of view, uh, and also Marks and Spencer's... They are not bidding on the right search terms, I think is yeah. what we conclude from this. They, I mean, they've got, to be fair, they've got the fucking top hit, but there's nothing there. So you fucked it, lads. Any more news? No, God, no. Shall we talk about the weekend now? I think we should, yeah. 
This is the point which you say goodbye to our non-patrons. Au revoir. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Hello. Welcome back, non-patrons. You've missed a good old chat about the weekend. Uh, Josh being the devil. Yep. Of some description. Rosemary's baby, really. Basically, What's happened to his eyes? What did happen to my eyes? And then, uh, yeah, and 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 a good old chat about a weekend. Uh, shall we move on to the shit good? For time is ticking I think we away. Should. We definitely. Um, I did should. have a your so club lined up, but we'll be here As for usual, three hours too long. if that yeah. starts. But I promise we'll do it next week because it's nice to break it up a bit, isn't it? Nice to break it up a bit. So, Indeed. Shit good wise, what have you got that shit from? Uh, we've covered most of our shits, but shit for me is people losing their minds over a two day England training camp. Are it's they? Like, oh, in yeah, terms of going, what it oh. means in terms of selection or whatever? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if anybody thinks that George Ford, Jamie George, and the Vinopolas aren't going to be in the starting lineup for England in November, they are kidding themselves. Because yeah, this is not the EPS are. squad, is it? It's just a No, it's not. Right? <laughs> They're still in the EPS squad. It's just. You know, it's a it's a two day training camp. A two day training camp. Let's not forget. You know, those camps are mainly considered useful for causing long term injuries to players who would never have actually been in the squad. Career in the first ending place. injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And maybe maybe Eddie just doesn't want to put a bunch of experienced heads in that level of harm's way. You know, it's just let's calm down. It's fine. Uh, yeah. What else got the shit here? Then I'll go to the. Um, Tom Finch gets in touch. He said, "Shit, is that press release from Exeter?" Yes, yes. But also fucking hilarious. Yes, I mean, there's a man who the, can't re- who does who's not big on self reflection, is what I would no. say. Um, yeah. It, however, good he says is the weapons grade karma of the full time match results. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, and those variations don't suit Exeter one jot, do they? No, and still, yeah. They really don't. That is funny. I thought he'd adapt quicker than this. I'm sure they will, but while they're not, I'm going to enjoy it. James Franklin gets such shit. Gloucester's predictable start to the season. It's going to be a long gold season. You might finish above Bath, though. That's something to look yeah. forward to, isn't it? Surely. I mean, at this rate, the West Country is going to have, you know, off the first two games, the bottom four in the league is going to be Bath, Gloucester, Bristol and Exeter. So it's going to be a really bad year for South West Rugby. But as James Franklin says, despite being this bad, we are above Exeter at the table. Indeed. Ian Wallace gets in touch. He says, shit, is the Irk scheduling a match less than half a mile for a Scottish Premiership football fixture? Did that cause traffic? Or... I mean, I would imagine that would cause some issues. I imagine the Edinburgh rugby types and Edinburgh football types Probably don't get. And not normally people that normally <laughs> knock about with each other. I'll say that yeah. much. I could be wrong though. Um, 
He says, good, there was Edinburgh's performance in the first league fixture of the new stadium. Yeah, absolutely. King Horn and Velicott in particular were standouts. Two outstanding tries with Darcy Graham as well. As you said, when you reel the names off, it's not as worrying as you might think for Edinburgh, it's is it? They've got some, squad, man. some match winners there. Kieran Ricketts gets in touch. He said, shit, his Wasps stadium announcer finding out he lost his job when his replacement posted about his new job on social media. Yeesh. I mean, I don't know why we're surprised. I mean, Wasp basically moved an entire club away from its home for not many yeah. good reasons. So <laughs> I don't see why they'd be that nice to a stadium announcer, really. That's all we've forgotten no. about, hasn't it? We all forget that now, that the fact they moved, yeah. you know, the Traitor Dome next to the M42. This is the thing, like, you know, people were saying, oh, you know, the good you know, good guys won with uh, Northampton and Wasps. I don't think we can ever call wasps the good guys. <laughs> Never, not at all. No, <laughs> they absolutely. You know, they got mo- they are owned by corporate raiders who are mainly there for a hotel, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who moved an entire club from London to Coventry for a hotel. I don't know. It made no economic sense to keep just. I mean, they they basically used to play in a park in Sudbury, in between <laughs> Queens Park Rangers and Brentford, and somehow yeah. try and make a go of it. You know, I'm not saying they didn't have to do something, but still. No, I mean, they, they were very, you know, let's not forget that in that season before they went to Coventry, they very nearly went bust. But, you know, still. Raymond Clark gets in touch. He said, shit, is missing all the rugby at the weekend as I was in Mull. He said, but Oof. good is that I was in Mull hmm. to climb to my 282nd and final Munro, a Scottish mountain over 3,000 feet tall is what Munro is. He says, it says here. So he's climbed all of them. Slightly pod-related, he says, as listening to your chat helped relieve the boredom of a three- to four-hour drive from the central belt up to the highlands of Scotland. Fair play. Bits of Scotland are fucking miles away from other bits of Scotland, <laughs> aren't they? I, I always think... I know that sounds a daft thing to say, but it's genuinely surprising to me sometimes. At the same time, it is a uh, North Wales to South Wales situation as well, where they're not actually that far away, but because they've got fucking big mountains in the way it's quite hard to just yeah. if it was Switzerland there'd just be a tunnel through the middle and it would take 45 minutes but because it's Britain it takes 6 hours and you got to go around yeah oh but he built a motorway, motorway over the Pennines though didn't they in England oh there. yeah oh yeah not that you want a motorway over the central belt <laughs> into the fucking islands of Scotland, let's be honest. Like you think about that, you're driving, you think this is shit, this, you're driving from Cardiff, like, fuck's sake. That'd be, imagine six lanes being ploughed to the Brecon Beacons. I mean, Christ's sake. Yeah, awful. I mean, there's, there's got, I feel like there could be a middle ground there, but yeah, nobody wants to see that. Uh, what else have we got here then? Simon Clark gets in touch. He says, shit is that there are actually people who didn't see Bristol's decline coming months ago. We're not those people. We were making no. this fair dues. I mean, we don't have much insight, but we did no. call that one. We saw this coming. Reese Knott says, is shit. Is whoever thought it was a good idea for Jared Evans to be the one fielding high kicks after he replaced Reese Priestland? Bless him. Pretty yeah. look bad, actually. Is he out he for a long time? I've not heard. Uh, I haven't heard either, but yeah, it didn't. Fekato is out, isn't he? He's going to miss the autumn, I think. Yeah, Fekato has done something, did something. I think he's done his shoulder. Which uh, uh, Ken NZ says, uh, shit was the All Blacks handling, the worst I can recall since 1998. And yeah, it was really bad, to be fair. For all of the talk of, you know, South Africa gave them a game, they were proper dicks for fingers. 
for quite a lot of that game. It was quite bad. Ken Seaton gets in touch. He says his shit is waiting in an interminable queue for Rugby World Cup 23 tickets yet again, and then it all failing. Lots of tweets about this. Mm. Apparently it's once again been another total disaster on the uh, Rugby World Cup ticketing front. It's going Have they really ever well. got that right? No. Bizarre. Bless them. I mean, I mean, don't bless them. They're a bunch of fucking professional sports administrators. They should be doing their fucking oh, jobs properly. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 10ep says, shit is the chaos of working behind the bar at Bath Rugby, as my son found out on his first shift last weekend. <laughs> yeah, probably because they'd all fucked off to the bar rather than watch the sport, rather game as mm-hmm. well. Didn't even get his mid, mid-half mid break. Have you ever watched a game at Bath? I haven't, so no, fucking, I know. So fucking weird. I mean, mate from work knows somebody down there and goes down and always takes a game in when he's down there. But it is that, you know middle of a park thing with temporary seating and all that, isn't it? Yeah, because it can't be a permanent stadium because it has to become a cricket ground in the summer for the local, for the village cricket team or whatever. <laughs> you know, you are sitting in proper temporary seating. And it's weird because whenever it gets excited, like whenever somebody, you know, when you, have you ever like sat on temporary bleachers when people are sort of make moving a lot? Yeah, it feels like you're going to die, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it basically whenever something exciting happens or whenever quite a few people are coming back from the bar, the whole thing like feels like it's fucking falling apart. You get that, a, like the Millennium Bridge, a, it starts to come Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but like, went over that on Friday, actually. And it's still, for all the talk that they fixed it, they haven't fixed it, it's still fucking wonky as all hell. But yeah, Bath's exactly like that. And for such a sort of like middle-class club to have such sort of mid like <laughs> weird bad it just it just feels strange to get when you go there's nothing there. more middle class than that though it's like still keeping your right, ramshackle yeah. sash windows well beyond their useful days yeah. do you know what i mean it, you know the wreck is the sort of equivalent of an aristocrat's 70 you know 17 year old Subaru you know, Mitsubishi Lancer <laughs> that has you know, yeah. basically just he's too tight to replace it or his 40 year old it's, fucking Land Rover his 1980s CLK Mercedes convertible <laughs> exactly like okay, whatever it is just, yeah. the seats are dog-eared as fuck but you know the engine's still going and why would he change it what else have we got here then uh, Colin McBride said shit is David Nusifora a chancer who rode on the tailcoats of Schmidt. He took over as IRFU performance director three months before the women won back the Six Nations, and now they can't even qualify for a World Cup while the women's game is a mess at club and provincial level. Yeah, it's a right fucking shit show, that. I think both the WRU and the IRFU have got fucking serious questions. And we you know, we spoke about the WRU last oh. week, but, like, you know, serious, serious fucking questions about how they are. So no bathing Parsons at a World Cup. Fucking <sighs> hell. Fucking state of that, man. And, you know, like I said, 2015, they won a fucking Grand Slam. Like, to go to that to not even qualify. Even Wales are qualified for the World Cup. And they're shit. <laughs> Beeps says that shit is Exeter's finances, presumably. Looking forward to having them rename Sandy Park, renaming Sandy Park the Tony Rowe Superdome in the next couple of years. <laughs> As you say, you know, he's going to keep finding ways to put money into it, isn't he? Any more shits from you? Nah. Good. Yeah, what have you got? Anything? Uh, it's good. 
Gareth Anscombe playing rugby again. Yes, absolutely. Like, I felt a bit sick when he got clattered by Ross Moriarty about eight minutes into it. Um, but he was fine. And I was then I really felt when Ross Moriarty clapped him across the <laughs> Indeed, nose. Indeed, yeah, it could have been worse. And then I really winced when he took that offload from T and Thomas Wheeler and sort of accelerated through the gap and stepped off that repeatedly surgically repaired knee. But he and I was just like, oh god, like, and but it was fine. <laughs> he looked, he started off a little rusty, but. By the time he came off after 70 minutes, he looked Gareth Anscombe again, which is quite something to say, given how long he's been out. And yeah, I don't think... Obviously, he's going to be managed carefully going forward because he hasn't played rugby in two years, but just seeing him out there again playing rugby, just very, very... I never thought I'd see it. I genuinely thought he was done. I didn't want him to be. But I, I thought bad. the longer it went on, especially because yeah. he's thirty, isn't he now, something like that. So, yeah, he's twenty nine, thirty. There was there was a real sense, particularly like December last year, where they were talking about him having to have another op, and it was just like fucking hell, man, he's never coming back. I think the surgery is just so much better now, isn't it? Yeah, and they can fix a lot of things that might necessarily have gone wrong in the past, which well, I like guess... Norman Whiteside, speaking yes. of United, where they removed. Um, when they removed all of his cartilage at the age of 19, so then he couldn't run properly and had to retire at 27 because <laughs> his knee was fucked. Fucking ridiculous. You know, the story of that is is that he, he they made him have the operation in Manchester, not in Belfast, and he wanted to go to Belfast because, for obvious reasons, in the 80s, Belfast surgeons on knees were fucking brilliant because they had <laughs> to deal with a lot of matched-up knees because of the whole... Yeah punishment kneecapping thing apparently yeah. as it goes so yeah so he, he wanted to go there but the club wouldn't counter and sit and he kind of ruined his career because he anyway Jesus. yeah sorry we digress uh ross mather gets in touch he says good is ali crossdale two tries on debut for wasp 45 yard try for dan frost as a replacement hooker and wasp more importantly not conceding 45 after scoring 44 it's yeah. very true. Harlequins don't seem to have got that yet. No, they, they don't, do they? But still, if it's going to be another season of that for Harlequins, I am absolutely, absolutely here fine for with it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Martin Lewis says, Good is Owen Watkin playing well at 12, which Josh Gardner called for two years ago. I lad, he says. Martin. I did, yeah. I mean, he's always looked a lot more like a 12 than <laughs> a 13, and yet for some reason they were desperate to, you know. If you see a lad that's six foot two and sixteen stone, do you go outside centre or do you go maybe stick him at twelve? <laughs> Andy Bradshaw says good is uh, Leicester plays the Imperial March. Yes, yeah. Guess who's back, bitches? He says. <laughs> uh, he says good is Kitty's Kitty's. Kitty. He's got little kittens, Andy, which he shared yes, in the in the Patreon Facebook group, and they're absolutely, absolutely lovely. He says, good is Warwickshire winning the county championship. He says, but shit is that it has to be at Lancashire's expense after the game on Thursday. Now, listen, Andy, you know, <laughs> we're something approaching friends, right? But I know for a fact that you're from Blackburn. So you liking Warwickshire winning the county championship ahead of Lancashire is nothing short of a disgrace. It's like you're like a quizzling down there in the fucking Midlands. And you need to fucking sort it out because it's, it's not on. 
Alex Bergelin gets in touch, my friend from Friday. He said, good. Mm-hmm. Blues edging ever closer to realising their dream of playing 15 nines. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, apparently it works. It does, yeah. Still have a better pack than they had last year. True. Yeah. Uh, Steve Hodson gets in touch. He says, good. is following an Ospreys game via Josh Gardner's Twitter feed. Made an already good game even better. Why were you... Were you, I think were, I was you, quite... were you joking or were you like edgy? Or I was quite edgy in the first all? half because I did not, uh, I did not appreciate the way that uh, Sam Grove Wright was refereeing the breakdown. Um, but the second half, I was a lot happier, as you might expect. Uh, Robert Dinsey gets in touch. He says, "Good is Max Ajomo, son of Steve, scoring his first Premiership try for Bath. He looks." Uh, Quite the player, Max Ajomo. He does. For all bats worries. His dad, to be fair, do you, do you remember Steve much? You probably remember a bit yes. too young. But I, I watched him quite a bit. Um, and I think it's not he could have been he could have been the best back row player in England, Steve Ajomo. And I and I don't mm. say this lightly, but his main problem was that he was incredibly fucking lazy. Particularly yeah. without the ball. <laughs> People who support Bath may disagree with me, but that was my—that's my memory of him. But but talent-wise, a ridiculous player. Didn't he play for Newport at one point? Steve Ajomo. Yeah, don't know. don't know. Sure, he did. Anyway, he was yeah. a great player, though. Genuinely, a very good player. Um, yeah, I always remember him carrying around. He, he was sort of a. Even in the days where players carried around a lot more timber than he did, yeah, they necessarily he needed had, to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He right. So what I got here? Megan Hoey gets in touch, and it's and it, it's Hoey, not not Hoey, Josh. I'll take, I'll take you. Yeah. I'll take that one. Um, he says, "Good is Will Addison off the bench for Ulster." Yeah, she says, "But shit, was my first league match of the season being cancelled because the opposition didn't have the numbers?" Oh man, Typical. you couldn't lend him any. That that few numbers was it? You couldn't even have that horrible situation. You got to play <laughs> for the opposition. Patricia Vieira gets in touch. Hello, Patricia. She says, good is RG Snyman finally adding to his seven minutes for Munster. <laughs> and Simon Zebo, despite setting himself on fire in between as well, obviously, don't yeah. we forget. And Simon Zebo scoring on his re-debut just after the RTE comes were laughing about how unfit he is. Yeah. Class I mean, he doesn't care about weight. Class doesn't <laughs> care about weight. He doesn't. It's the thing. He did not look unfit when he was fucking. He was always in. looking a little bit. He always had a little bit of the rotund he about did. him. He zero, did, didn't he? Yeah, and you get the feeling that he doesn't take. He's one of those natural athletes that doesn't take conditioning as seriously as some players do. But that's fine. Rugby's the game for all sorts. She said, "Also good." Speaking of which, actually, sorry. I'll finish Another that point good. and come in. Yeah, you just go as on. good is just the feeling of being back in the crowd at Thoman Park. Fucking right. Because it's um, different Thoman Park, isn't it? Those European nights at Thoman Park. I once got opened a door to another dimension where all of my dreams <laughs> were made real, right? And they still, it still didn't compare it wasn't as good as to Thoman those Park. European nights at Thoman Park. I mean, we joke about it, but still some of the best nights that I've had in rugby union have been... <laughs> Fucking celebrating and enjoying my time with Monster fans. So you know, they sorry, are you a... you had a good then before I cut you. Oh yeah, I was just talking about players and weight. 
uh, good is players actually realising there's a limit to how much muscle their bodies can healthfully support. Obviously, Manny Tuilagi's dropped 6 yeah, kg has, of muscle over yeah. the summer, and he says he feels much better for it. Jack Knowles dropped 10 kgs from last season because he was basically saying, Jack Knowles said, I was like, I can't be playing at this level. I feel slow. It's probably why I kept tearing my muscles. It's like, yeah, no shit, mate. What's 10 kg? There's... About a stone and a half? Yeah. He was, he's down. He was playing at something like fifteen and a half stone, and he's down to fourteen now. And yeah, like <laughs> more players and coaches need to realise that like we are pushing players past the safe, sensible limits for how much muscle you can have and still run around for eighty minutes. Like, just because you can put muscle on doesn't mean it's a good thing. Well, so many players have got you know. Remember when George North came back to Wales and trimmed down quite a bit and became dramatically better as a result I just think yeah it's weird players more players need to realise this I think uh, James Reese says good is Michael Collins he's like Hadley Parks but with articulate joints <laughs> <laughs> for now it's amazing when you can bend your elbows what you can do when you play <laughs> wait until he's Wait until he's got a couple of caps for Wales, then he'll have no functioning yeah. joints. Held together with tape and no realistic alternative <laughs> to play in the shirt. <laughs> Richard Dighton finally says, good is Willis Halaholo. Played a great game on Friday, but he's also delivered a bunch of kit to fans off his own back. And when some gammon had a go at him because he wasn't single-handedly solving world hunger, Willis points <laughs> out that helps out with City Homeless as well. Top bloke. He does seem like the most lovely bloke Genuine fucking Earth. 10 out of 10 bloke. Yeah. And, yeah, delighted to have him. Um, but also, 10 out of 10 bloke who doesn't take any shit. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't passively take the bell ends on Twitter. No. Yeah. And that is us, I think. I think it is. For yet another week. Thank you for your patience, everybody. I had to go day late because I, well, I won't get into too much detail, but, you know, the work I do, field crisis, big problems, long meetings. Uh, yeah. So that's why I wasn't mm -hmm. around yesterday. Um, and so thanks for your patience. We'll speak to you all again next week. So long. Bye, Josh. So long. Bye. Bye, everyone. Got to press the button now. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.